This is Wolfredo Torres, the artist on Jupiter's Circle, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> He undercut you. I did, just because I wanted to mess your groove up because you're being a dick. You're not. <laughs> One, I'm always a dick. Two, you can never mess my groove up. I just enjoy talking to you so much. Anything you say to me, even if it's derogatory, it makes my head. I never have anything derogatory to say about you. <laughs> On the air. This oh, is, yeah. is sad. The Jason yeah, right. I, I praise you up. I give you big as Speaking of big ups. I did get a glimpse at the Facebook today, and I happened to see something from my favorite cartoonist of all time. I'm being facetious, but I love him so much. Did you see Scotty Young's tribute to Calvin and Hobbes? Damn that boy. Damn him all to hell. He just gets better and better and better. And it's not even like, oh, he's progressing well. He's going to be a really solid cartoonist someday. He started out really solid. Now he's just like godlike. Look at that Calvin and Hobbes thing when you get a chance. Will do. It's, un- it's unbelievable. You know, uh, speaking of Scotty, uh, I saw on the Twitter today that Aesop Rock shouted him out about I Hate Fairyland. And uh, that's pretty mind-blowing <laughs> because Aesop Rock is one of Scotty's favorite rappers of all time. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that, because I was just about to ask So you. I saw that, and I was like, dude, that's crazy. Aesop shouted you out. And then, of course, Scott, this is like Scotty's the king of the humble brag. He's like, yeah, he's like, we've become boys recently. It's pretty cool. I'm like, oh, <laughs> mind blown, dog. I'm like, you're the man. My bad. But it is pretty freaking cool, because Aesop Rock is legit. What's he? Who does he sing for? <laughs> <laughs> he sings for himself. Aesop's Fables? You have yeah, some he, going he, out? Was, he was part of the fables, and then he split off on his own. Like, like after uh, after McCartney left Wings, you know. <laughs> Back to the egg era. <laughs> he did a diddle, cat in the fiddle. You're crazy, dude. <laughs> we got some weird music going on. I opened up our our Skype by singing "Precious and Few." Yep, you did. And if I can't find my way back home. Throw your panties on the stage. It's 11 o'clock. Interrupted by Mr. Jason This (laughs) is episode 395. Check that. 11 o'clock comics. I am Vince B. You are. It is so great to hear your voice. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. You are indeed, because I'm a problem solver. I'm Will Shorts. Now you, you uh, dude, you just said last yep, week. he did. He did. He blew it. Huh? The, last week you said that every week until Star Wars comes out, you are going to be a Star Wars themed character. I, I am. I'm Will Shorts. Who the hell's Will Shorts? The creator of the New York Times crossword. Yeah, also wrote Star Wars in his free time. No, you're not Will Shorts. You're Dirty Shorts. You're Jason <laughs> Wood, everybody. I was actually going to be pre-Visla, but then I thought you'd be like, who the fuck is pre-Visla? I wouldn't know who that is. All right, I'm pre-Visla. Yes, you are pre-Visla. And you don't have to have a pre-Visla to get... <laughs> or a MasterCard. 
Yeah, that's what I was doing. I was trying to skew it that way. All you got to do is shimmy on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. For the hearing impaired, that's DCBService.com, where you can reap the rewards of massive, gargantuan discounts on your favorite funny books and collectibles. The specials for this month are particularly mouthwatering. First up, we have... The Nicopole Trilogy, Volume 1 by Enki Bailao from Titan Books. This sucker is going for $34.99. Reprints all of the Bailao um, Nicopole Trilogy in one book. You can take it home for 45% off the cover price. That's only $19.24. From Image, Ted McKeever going back to the Golden Age sized well with yet another crazy slice of what it really seems to be inside Ted McKeever's head. It's probably a very scary place. This one's called Pencil Head, subtitled Oddball Artists, Twisted Writers, Demented Editors, Office Politics, Hamburgers, and a Dead Stripper. Is there any other kind? A mostly true five-issue series about the whacked-out world of comic books, Three ninety-nine cover price, in line with what they've been charging for the Golden Age format, you can get the first issue for $1.99. That's half off. Certainly not least, but it's last anyway. It's from Fanagraphics, from Joshua W. Cotter, he of Skyscrapers of the Midwest and the Crazy Driven by Lemons. You've seen him at Ad House. Now he's at doing something at Fanagraphics. This is called Nod Away. The premise is awesome. I read it last week. Go listen to that one if you want to hear it again. But it's uh, $24.99 cover price, your price, 35% off, $16.24. And as we always say, 35, 35% off at Fantagraphics is a really good deal because they don't discount them that much, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's worth it. Even cover price is worth it because Fantagraphics does some of the best comics out there. Do not hesitate. Get your butt over there to dcbservice.com. They don't mind late orders. They don't mind order editions, and you get everything shipped right to your home. You don't have to lift your butt off the couch. Do it. Wow. Do it. Yeah. That was nice. How you been? Always. It was, it was, it was, but I like how Jason starts off by, he's like, I wanted to undercut Vince because Vince is being a dick, but yet I'm the one who does the boo boo. True. See how that works? Yes. Uh, so but, he he hurt me to hurt you. Well, I know I'm, I'm ten foot tall. Yeah, it's it's it's. You're so laid back that that I knew you would just go with it. Vince is like so uptight about the production. He's like, why would you do that for that? Yeah, so, I feel you. I feel you. Yes, I'm really uptight about the production, as evidenced by the 364, no, 394 flawless episodes before this Thanks one. Thanks for including mine in there. I appreciate that. Just to just to get back on your good side, Dap. All right, minus three. Do you, do you know what? Uh, do you know what I started cranking today at work? You did not already. Seriously? Oh yes. I haven't. I haven't made my playlist yet. I cannot wait to start. Holiday song, dog. Yes. Did you make a playlist on Spotify that I can? I, can uh, I, went with, I just went with the with the with the one of the pre-made classic Christmas okay. uh, list cool. they had going on. Excellent. But uh, <clears throat> had it cranking. We're putting up. The, they were getting everything. I think putting up the tree this weekend. <sighs> Yeah, before Thanksgiving. That's great. Yes. Yes, sir. I need at least seven, eight weeks of it up. Uh, I have a pretty standard. It's Vince's most favorite time of year. It is. I have a standard title for my my holiday playlist. 
No, it's it's it could be called Scottish, not Scottish, because it's not Scottish, so it's crap, and that's what I call Christmas music, crap. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, I have my own Jason Wood in the house. My daughter loves the Hallmark Channel around this time of year. <laughs> and if I want to see fucking DJ Tanner <laughs> win Christmas, it's the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Dude, it's a plague. It's a, it's, it's horrible. It's the worst it's, channel. It, no, Christmas no, is horrible. Stop, stop you begging. Just, <laughs> just, just rain that shit. Dude, you gotta stop it. Seriously. The best holiday's gone. Mm. What are you Arbor drinking? Day? What the hell? Yeah, Arbor Day. <laughs> what are you drinking, Vince? I am drinking. I know you gotta be. I am. I'm drinking Stegmeyer Oktoberfest. Two, three bottles of Oktoberfest. Damn. Get to the chopper. You just yes. got home too. God damn. I just got home. I, I need a case of this shit. Typey, typey. Wow. Wow. I got the white. Wow. 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 I know. I'm doing my Vince impression. No. Uh, what, 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 what are you? What are you drinking, Jason? Damn. Uh, <laughs> that one got me. Uh, I'm drinking from uh, the Arduini Vineyard, Monte Pulciano d'Abruzzo. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I I want to give a shout out to BrightSellers.com. Nice. Which is a, a new wine service that. Uh, yeah, it basically tries to match up wines for you based on a series of behavioral questions. No kidding. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. And so they, uh, this is the first month and they sent us five bottles and this is the first of those five bottles and I give it a hearty thumbs up. They're one for one. Uh, it's a 2013, uh, Italian, uh, blend. Like I said, from the Arduini, uh, vineyard. So yeah, it's pretty good, man. Can you imagine some of those questionnaires? If they tune the the wine to your particular idiosyncrasies, can you imagine like it's Christmas? Uh, fill out this form. Okay, what do you do when you get home? Ah, you know, I like to jack off. I jack off to people in bunny costumes. Hmm. Well, but see, the thing is, (laughs) I was send this guy. I was gonna ask Jason because when you got to the chocolate question, I'm I'm a fan of the milk. Renee loves dark chocolate. So, how did you cater the answers for both you? And the missus, so that you both. Well, let me get. be very clear. They're sending me one. Oh, okay. okay. Back up. All right. No, that's that's that that's that's valid because <laughs> so, it, it's so. it is it's it's not it's it's not what kind of the questions weren't catered to people in the house who may also drink Correct. wine. It really is right. just you know what do you like and and it's I, I wasn't real keen well, on. We the generally whole. enjoy the same wines, so it not, I mean we're not a hundred percent overlap, but. We are in the sense that we know what we what we like. So the the ones we have in the house are generally stuff we know we'll both like. So I I have a sneaking suspicion that that if if I liked them she would like them, and uh, I might say since she's not listening to the show that I'm a little bit pickier with my wine, a little more refined palate. Right. So I think I'm a harder I'm a harder act to to please, and so if it's pleasing me, she's probably good with it. That's you don't drink that dry stuff, do you? I like very dry wines, yes. Oh no, son. <laughs> Renee likes I don't want this. I don't want wine that tastes like grape juice. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's the same thing. And there's no such thing as white wine in my in my book. It doesn't exist. <laughs> white wine and shrimp. Uh, <laughs> Cajun shrimp, shrimp creole, popcorn, <laughs> shrimp, shrimp gumbo. 
Dad, what are you drinking? Uh, from the, Jesus. uh, from, from the same, the same vineyard <laughs> as last week, but another, oh, Lord. limited release. This is, uh, this is Freebens. This is a gnarly head. Yes. Uh, authentic black, like my women. It is a, uh, rich, dark, <laughs> Wait, women. bold red wine from Lodi, California. Stuck in Lodi. Uh, 2013. This is pretty damn, t- I would, I take this to the head. I wouldn't even need a glass. This is just good shit. Is you said women? That's <laughs> plural. You're gonna get you're gonna get your ass kicked. Not at the same Jeez. time, dude. Not since 2005. How about that? Actually, uh, no. Well, that's when we got married. Not since 2001 ish. Mind blown. Mind was blown. was one with the same. I mean, before then. Yes, there right. may have been other women of color, but yeah. Um, so, who has thank yous? Not I. No? Thank yous. Uh, no. I should have a thank you every episode. People get on the ball. I don't think I have. I don't know that I have thank yous. I have a couple shout outs, but I can do those after your thank yous. You sure? Because my thank you may segue into something. I don't know. All right. I, I may or may not. Okay, yes. fine. That's fine. Well, I still want to hear Jason's shout outs. Okay. Well, so. Um, I, they're all Kickstarter related. Sweet. What's this? Oh, yes. nice, 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 nice. Okay. Yes, it's pretty incredible. Uh, it, we haven't talked about Kickstarter in a good long while. Oh, with, haven't. With, with reason, but yeah. Well, it's true, but like all things, sometimes things are cyclical. Mm-hmm. And I found myself backing, uh, a number of Kickstarters in the last few weeks. And they are because they were involving friends of ours. So. Cool. Uh, first, I wanted to give a shout out to, uh, our, well, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm overlapping my crowdsourcing things right now. I, I'm, as I'm realizing one of these things was not a Kickstarter. It was a Teespring campaign. Our buddy Julian Lytle did a Teespring where he designed a t-shirt that, uh, that was for his podcast, Ignorant Bliss. And I participated in that. It was successfully funded and he created a cool Ignorant Bliss t-shirt. Which, uh, I just got my, my copy this, this week. So I wanted to shout him out and his podcast out. He needed to raise some funds for some new equipment and he did that. And he has sworn to me that he will actually start putting episodes out on the regular again. And he best do that since he got some of my money. Uh, now onto the Kickstarter. Um, it officially funded this week was our buddy, uh, I mean, officially getting ready to be sent out this week is our good buddy, Mr. Ryan Brown's Blast Furnace. Uh, I got the notice today to confirm my address, so that's awesome. And then I backed two campaigns today. Uh, the first is the, uh, is a man who knows a lot about dick. In fact, he's a master of dick, especially giant big dick. That's Dap. This is Dap's, this is his Dap soulmate. This is, uh, our, our, our good friend B. Clay yeah, Moore. Oh. B. Clay. Yeah, oh, for those that, oh, I thought we were going to talk about that dick. Seriously. For those that don't, uh, no Clay well. He's a longtime comics writer, and I would say it's fair to say that his most uh, impassioned work is uh, a series called Hawaiian Dick, which is a uh, like a, a pulpy noir, um, uh, you know, detective book set in uh, in Hawaii, hence the name. And it's been a while since we've got new new stuff on that front because he's been working working for a living by actually writing stuff for. Uh, other companies that are paying the bills, but, but this is his passion project is create our own stuff. So he is launching this week, a new 100 page hardcover edition. Um, and it's it, the, the great thing for those that don't know is that one of the reasons clay hasn't been in the comic circle as much lately is because 
Hoy and Dick was picked up and will be a NBC TV show yes. uh, this year. With so, Johnny Knoxville involved. Yes, super cool. Perfect casting, by the way, I think. Um, so he just launched a Kickstarter for this new uh, oversized hardcover, which I'm giddy about because it's a wonderful comic book series. And again, I think, not that I ever would buy something simply because it's collectible, but this is going to be a TV show, and I don't see why it won't be a hit show because it's the source material is great. It's, it's certainly a kind of show that will have mainstream appeal. So um, on Kickstarter, it's the Great Big Hawaiian Dick 100-page hardcover graphic novel by B. Period Claymore, our good buddy. He's launched it today, and he's halfway to his goal of $10,000. Um, so please give that a, a, a look-see if you're so inclined. And then uh, last but certainly not least, um, there's a project that's essentially being, being run uh, by Paolo at Cadence, via his Cadence Select brand, but of work, and ergo the creative mind behind it and the main beneficiary is our friend Tom Fowler. Now, we, the three of us know full well, because we've seen it, that in addition to drawing awesome comics and awesome commissions, Tom is a insanely huge Dungeons & Dragons fan. Like, like that's probably his number one passion above comics. And he has, he is a big fan of drawing all kinds of crazy D&D characters and doodles and monsters, and he does it in notebooks. So he has partnered up with Paolo to make a D&D and D, uh, essentially coffee tabletop uh, book of his his favorite D&D related art and doodles. So it's called a D&D and D, the tabletop fantasy art of Tom Fowler. Uh, this launched this week, and uh, it's about one third of the way. No, it's actually almost halfway to his his goal, and uh, you all listeners know, unless you're new to the show, that we are huge fans of Tom's art. He's a phenomenal cartoonist, and I am not a D&D fan by any stretch, but I have seen these works and will happily support this, especially it's a very it's a very reasonably priced uh, hardcover book. It's $15, so. Uh, we saw the actual notebooks. Yeah, we've seen the notebooks, exactly. So yeah. this is, again, if you're a D&D fan, absolute no-brainer. If you're a Tom Fowler art fan, absolute no-brainer. And rumor has it that one of my art collecting good buddies and someone whose collection makes me genuinely jealous, Mr. Don Mock, someone that David and I have met at yes. time last years, is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he did the art design and production on the book. So uh, it's it's a trio of people that I love dearly all involved in this project. So let's uh, let's give that a whirl, too. I think I'm on that. It's definitely up your alley. I mean, again, I'm not a D&D yeah. guy, but I'll support Tom in that just about anything. Yeah. No, I, I love Tom's work. Yeah. So that's my shout outs. The, uh, I, I too filled out the, uh, the survey for, for Blast Furnace and, um, I also had to fill out this week the survey for the, uh, the Mason knife, which I cannot wait to get my hands on early next year. I, I am, I am a mark for some kick-ass kitchen cutlery, and oh, me too. I, I need I need a nice, good, solid knife, and and we have our nice butcher's block from um, from Zwilling or Tankles, however you want to, uh, whichever name you want to give the company, but uh, just uh, just an awesome feeling looking knife that. Uh, once, once this went live, I, I had to get on that. So yeah, so I, I, there are times where, and, and like you said, Jason, we have not talked about Kickstarter in a while. Be either just there hasn't been anything floating our boat, or we've just been 
burned on a few things here or there, but uh, it's kind of like when it rains, it pours, and and there were um, there were a bunch of things out recently that that are either about to wrap up, have recently wrapped up, or have just started, and uh, that you know Billy Z's project was funded. I mean, there are just so many. Uh, it it seems to yeah you know, within the next few months we'll be talking about some of the things we've we've received from, uh, yep. from Kickstarter. So that's that's cool. My uh, I, I wasn't being facetious about the knife either. I don't think I, I didn't get that nothing impression. Kill, nothing kills me worse than going to slice a tomato. Oh, forget about and it. And smash it yeah, with the knife. No. It drives me absolutely bonkers. And I'm not about to get into the whole Ginzu thing and and you know oh, I'd even cut yeah. a can. I just but yeah when you are. Just cut the tomato. That's, that's all I want that, the knife to do. I, I need to be able to just chop garlic or or onions or something or just. But I need. Right. I, I I don't want to fight with it. I don't need to worry about. No. I it, it it's got to feel right in my hand. Have a good balance. I just and you have one job, Mister Knife. It, one job. That's it. <laughs> cut that damn tomato. Yeah, and and knives. Certain knives serve a purpose. You got your bread knife. You got your carving knife. You get there. Just you, you, I don't want one knife to do. Everything, but yes, One it, it should, it should absolutely do the job at hand when you reach for it. If I need that knife to cut a sure. tomato, if I need that knife to cut a bagel, I just, just fucking do it. Stab some bitch, need that knife. That's it, just need that knife. Right. So what's your thank you? Uh, my thank you is actually, um, Mr. Steve Raker, uh, was in the neighborhood, literally, uh, there was a, a conference he had to attend this past weekend, uh, which was closer to my humble abode than it was to his. So originally he was supposed to spend the night Saturday night. Turns out he didn't have to, uh, but he still came down this way. It's in the, where he was staying was about a half hour away. So we still made the extra trip down south to, uh, to see Renee to hang out. We had dinner. Um, we watched the first two episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead. And, uh, and, and, uh, and he, he also, uh, not only did he, he brought his old, uh, that he recently replaced snow thrower. So now I actually have a, I, I need to replace one of the belts on it, but I, I will have a decent snow thrower this winter, finally, after 10 years. Uh, but not only did he bring that, he also, um, brought a, a belated birthday gift, he called it. This was, um, this is from, and, and I apologize if I'm going to mispronounce, no, maybe not, uh, from, uh, Flesk Publications. This was titled Portfolio, The Complete Various Drawings by Mr. Mark, Sh- Mark Schultz. Oh, <gasps> synchronicity hot damn. And this thing is massive. It's heavy. It's gorgeous. I, we, there are, there aren't a lot of artists out there who can just draw a slamming, banging female form, who just have a, a grasp on the human figure, man or, or woman, male or female, doesn't matter. I mean, his his women are gorgeous, but I mean, even the men have a presence. It, but Marshalls is 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 a phenomenal artist, and this is a uh, this is a collection of his five or so. Um, Various sketchbooks that he had collected over the years, but I mean, pencils are just amazing. The, the the inks are fantastic. It's it's a beautiful book. It's just something I'll be staring at for um 
for a lot of time, for 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 many days uh, to come. It's going to look great on the bookshelf also. I don't really know. It's about the size, physically, the dimensions are about the size of an LP. It's, it's, it's I don't know oh. where exactly I'm going to put it because it is so damn square. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's paper, so it's verboten, so you could always store it at my house. <laughs> Just saying. Really? Uh, what about the paper you've sent me or had me come home with over the years? That's just That's, oh yeah, it's, yeah. vindictive and, and a jerk. Uh, and he also, uh, which is nice that uh, since Renee is a Frank Cho fan, this was a um, Savage Beauty book one by Frank Cho that uh, that he signed, and it's uh, just some sketches of uh, many many women uh, by Mister Frank Cho. So thank you very much, Steve. The um, the portfolio book is just it, it's gorgeous. It, it's I don't know when it came out. I'm not sure if it was even, it may have been kickstarted. I do not know. Uh, I believe it was. But yeah, it, it's, it's gorgeous. It, it's really, really well made. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, that is, uh, that's my thank you for this week. Nice. I have some, some comments about Mark Schultz that wow. I'm going to save it for later. Isn't it weird? That Strange. Is- we did, it's we did not crazy. plan this because I told David, uh, during the very few times I was on Facebook. Yeah, this I, week. Sundays are like, I get like 20 minutes Sunday morning with you two. And it's, it's, it's what I look forward to. And then after that, it's just like fucking crickets until. Sorry. Well, it's, it's, there's a very valid reason for that. I'm not, I, I cannot be mad at you for that. But yes, there are. Yeah, there's a valid reason. She's upstairs breathing the same yes. freaking air so, as me. Anyway. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right, let's talk about the comic books. The books. The books. Jason. Uh, Vincent. Speak to me, my brother. I'll tell you what. I don't think this guy's gonna gonna get my eleven o'clocker for favorite writer. Oh. But No. But if he if there was ever a year where I would seriously consider it, it's gonna be this year. Rick Feach. <laughs> 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 well, we're not in bizarro world. I said, should be I said a favorite, not shittiest. Oh, Stop. that was me. That was me. I don't even mean that. I don't even mean that. I don't even mean that. I haven't read a Rick Beach comic in like six years. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, no. See, I was going to get all warm and fuzzy about it, and now you just made me all, made me spit ass. <laughs> you bristled. Oh, hells no. The heckles on um, everything. I'm talking about Mr. Mark Miller. Oh, really? I gotta say, the dude has got this formula. He's been putting out these miniseries and moving on, and as you guys know, I have enjoyed the shit out of pretty much every miniseries he's done the last year or two. And I read the first issue of probably the one I was most excited for him to do of the bunch. And that is Huck number one, uh, which is written by Mr. Miller and drawn by the incomparable Raphael Albuquerque. I read that as well. Nice! Tag team back again. Um, Vince, did you read this as well? I did not. Damn, you know, one of these days we're going to have a comic where all three of us actually read it. That is amazing. Well, maybe if we do a little bit of planning. We well, we don't have to actually no. communicate. I mean, right. we could plan. Yeah, we could plan. But, uh, Huck is uh, a story. It's a limited series. It's a story about um, the aforementioned. It's named after a, a man that's uh, essentially, for all intents and purposes, what if Superman ended up being... Um, like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. 
But see, like, I don't think he's that slow, though. I, I well, get what you're saying. Slow. Like, you I know, don't know. No, no, the woman, the woman called him special. Special, right? Special. Oh, we're all special. We are. But he's a a, a, a country bumpkin. He's yeah. A, it's what if Superman was left on the steps, the stoop of an orphanage. <laughs> stoop kids. Yeah, exactly. And and so he, the town is well aware of his special abilities, but they go out of their way to protect his anonymity. And so the story of him, of Huck, is being told to a woman who's new to the town by uh, a a veteran elder of the town, essentially saying, "Hey, listen, you know, we got a good thing here." So now that you're new to the town, you got to make sure that you, you know, you know, the, don't make the, you know, the jig can't be up. You gotta, you gotta have this dude's back. And interstitially, you're seeing Huck do all these these amazing deeds, from rescuing someone from drowning to, you know, to just all the things that you would that would be typical of of Superman to have done in his Smallville days. Um, and you know whether Huck is special in that way or not is, I guess, remains to be seen, but. He's certainly a simple man, and he has a rule where he does a good deed every single day. Yep. And at one point, he's making he literally sits down in the morning. He makes a list of possible good deeds, and it's not all super heroic stuff. It could be like one of the good deeds was he was thinking about giving the fifty eight dollars he had saved, putting it in a random book in the library for someone to find. Like it's just he does just some good deeds are just good deeds for the sake of it. Some are using his powers or whatever. Um, and then something happens. Which I'm going to assume, and David can tell me if you agree or disagree, that this is the first time this has happened that causes him to take his abilities outside of the town. And at least I took it to be like it's the first time because he yeah. sees something on TV and he decides to make that his good deed. And so, and that's kind of where we're left. So we're, that's kind of the setup is that, okay, what if, what if this guy who is being protected by the town because he's awesome and does these good deeds somehow accidentally outed himself? But the thing that, the, the part that was a little, I guess happened kind of quickly was that even the people he saved when he, that he went out of town to go save, they kept the secret. I'm guessing the woman who was hearing the story that, that happened at the first half of the book, she went and spilled her guts. I, that it just, I'm thinking it was the same woman and I'm not a hundred percent certain because when they, when, when, when they asked the people, you know, who had, you know, so you, you were able to escape and, and the woman, one of the hostages was like, yeah, we, we, we promised we wouldn't say, but then someone's watching TV and they're like, oh, this is definitely him. Oh, we need to let people know about this. We can't. And I'm like, why would you, that just really, that seemed to have been shoehorned in there so we can move the story along and get Huck outed. And I, I was moving at a pretty good clip. I was, I was vibing to it really kind of up until that point, just out of the blue, we're cut to someone watching it on their couch on TV saying, Oh, this, this is, this is who this, this has to be Huck. I, I know this is Huck. And then reporters are on his doorstep and, that just kind of happened kind of quick for me. I, the art is gorgeous. Raphael can do no wrong, but I mean, the, the book looks amazing. And, uh, Miller kind of has to be Miller by inserting something that's pretty fucking topical, but is very real world and may, I, I'm, I'm a little, something like this, I wouldn't have minded there being a, an analog 
to the terrorists in, in this particular case. I don't know mm-hmm. if I needed it to be that grounded, that real world where, where, where we're, we're shown, um, you no, know, the harem. And, and I'm like, I just, but still, I mean, that, that, that's, it, it, it was to serve a purpose and, and get it out there. And I didn't, I did not dislike the issue. There were just, there was that one little speed bumper hiccup or, or fast forward. I don't know what I'd call it, but aside from that, that, that page, I was really, really enjoying it just to see where, where, where Miller was going to take that kind of Superman-y idea and, and run with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll find out, right? I mean, we, oh, don't, yeah. know, we don't know what comes next, or, right? But, but, um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised you even read it because you're a hard sell with the Miller. I am. Um, yeah, you are. Um, I thank Albuquerque for this. Exactly. I will say too, uh, that this is, uh, Albuquerque has, has continued to evolve his style over the years. As you guys know, I own a bunch of pages of American Vampire, which Raphael's still drawing, but he has definitely changed his style. Like the last arc looks much different than the original stuff. And again, it's not a, it's not a qualitative change that's, that's bad, but it's, it's definitely something, it's just his style has changed. And for me, just aesthetically, I prefer the first few years of, of, of American Vampire, the style he used to this stuff he's used in the last arc or so. And, and to me, this, this Huck is more akin to the style that I fell in love with originally. So this is a very welcome return to the Albuquerque that I think is among the best working artists in the business. So yeah, I mean, I, so the art alone is enough to keep me going, but, uh, un, unlike you, for some reason Miller just just has been hitting me lately. I, I just I, all these all these miniseries that he's been doing, uh, as much as they're all very different from one another, seem to just just be hitting me. And I think one of the things I'm appreciating about them is he seems to really be relishing the idea of telling a short, contained story. Where, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, he gets in and he gets out. He gives you four or five issues of a bunch of characters. There's a story arc and it's done. And we're not coming back. There's no immediate plans to revisit it. It's not, it's not a, a, a faux ongoing series where they give you six weeks, months <laughs> and then, and then he waits. It, this is it. Here's the story. And then he moves on to another story. And I, there's just some, a purity about that, that, that doesn't really exist in, in comics right now for oh, other right. which I like. So I, I did like, uh, the flash. I like birthright and I did, um, no, not, was it birthright? Star, the flash Gordon book. I enjoyed that one. Star, Star, Star light. Yeah. Star, um, with uh with Parlov on art and although I and I have I do have the the Jupiter's books to go back to read I'm not um I'm not dismissing those just because he uh he wrote that I I I think the idea has merit is something that I'd be interested in reading so I'm not um just because that's that's interesting cuz you know who uh introduced our episode this week who Wilfredo Torres nice, nice. very nice yeah. I didn't plan that either. There you go. Look at that. Uh, but and, no, and I, you I never forget. You, you did not read Chrononauts, correct? I started to read the first issue. No, I need to go back and read those issues too. Mm-hmm. That's only four issues though, right? I think uh, that's four issues. I don't remember now if it was four or six, but it's Sean Murphy. So it's probably four. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I that's something I, I do mean to, uh, to go back to read as well. Uh, and MPH I liked a lot. That one I did not read. Okay. I read the first two. 
MPH? Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, it, it's, I, I know he's a very divisive creator, and Lord knows there's creators that rub me the wrong way and are really tough sells for me, so I'm not going to begrudge anybody that has an issue. But, uh, but for some reason, since Miller started this Miller World imprint at, at Image, I'm, I'm vibing on it. I, I like all of the things he's put out in that imprint more than, like, let's say, uh, Civil War? Uh, no, the, uh, the, the, the movie, uh, that he did with JRGR. Um, oh, Kickass? Kick-Ass, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, was, I enjoyed I mean, Kick-Ass, the first series, for what it was, because it was, like, crazy, over-the-top stupid. But I thought the rest was just milking the property. And right. uh, I, I found all of this stuff to be very refreshing. And, look, let's be honest, uh, love or hate the guy, he, because he's got such a incredible hit right now of getting his stuff optioned, he can get and does get to work with any artist he wants. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yep. I mean, think about it, J.R.J.R., uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, Wilfredo, Quitely, Parlov, Dave Gibbons, um, now Raphael. Raphael. I forget who did MPH. Who was that? It was that Fergredo, right? Fergredo. Yeah. So that's an incredible list, man. Seriously. That's true. So yeah. So, uh, so again, Huck, Huck number one. I think it's a four issue series, right? I, I, I think it's, yeah, four sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be my your travels if we didn't get to it, so that's nice. Oh, cool. there you go. Leave it to you to make a Miller book in your travels. Not worthy of a real review. That's okay. That's how he rolls. Not what? Not worthy. Of... Not worthy of a full review. I get it. Oh. <laughs> this will be a quick hit. What are you reading, Vince? What am I reading? Well, you know, strange that you should mention Mr. Mark Schultz. Because Why is that? I don't know. Well, I do know. I I read something that was. Uh, see, this is where it gets a little strange. Mm-hmm. The the only thing Mr. Mark Schultz had to do with this series was um, instigate the concepts on which it was based and basically sign the check. Okay. Well, now this is named after the cartoon, right? Not the original series that the cartoon was based on. Absolutely correct, because this was the, I would call it the golden age of Mark Schultz, a.k.a. the time when he was raking in the money, 1994. So the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs cartoon was uh, probably at the end of its first and only season, lasted 13 episodes, but... I mean, he was making the money. Yes, the cartoon didn't do gangbusters, hence the reason it's only one season. But I'm sure the man got paid. And at the time, uh, he was reaping the rewards. Tops Comics, which I think they, you know, they, they, they're maligned, uh, unjustly. I think Tops put out a lot of good books in their short lifespan. And this is one of them. It's called, um, well, see, it gets a little fuzzy, too, because what they did was they Topps Comics concurrently with Kitchen Sink. Kitchen Sink was still publishing Xenozoic Tales, mm-hmm. albeit one every, you know, it seemed like every two years one would come out. Um, Kitchen Sink was still doing Xenozoic Tales, but Topps Comics licensed Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. And they put out what was intended to be an ongoing, but there was stretches between arcs. So basically they said, yeah, we planned it like that from the beginning. It's just a 
a chain of miniseries. So what they did was, for every new arc, they would throw a big old number one on the cover, but it's actually Xenozoic Tales, or um, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, number four, five, and six. But it's not. It's, it's you know, a, a self-contained arc. This one is called The Wild Ones. Do you know who tops got to write their Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? Mm. Yeah, you probably never heard of him. Um, his name's Roy Thomas. Wow. <laughs> For real, right? Uh, this uh, three-issue miniseries uh, was illustrated by Esteban Maroto, who is amazing. I think I've said it more than once before. If If you want somebody to draw a gorgeous woman, Look no farther than Esteban because, God, this guy's talented. Um, one of the best of the Bronze Age, any age really. The guy is just an amazing illustrator. I, before you, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off. Before I forget tonight, something that Jason read last week, and since you just mentioned the man's name, I read something that reminds me of his art, which I'll mention later. But go on. Cool. Um, and do you know who did the covers? For this three issue miniseries? Well, the dinosaurs are in the title. I'm wondering if his signature looks like a dinosaur. No, it's not Simon. Or, or Ryan Stegman. But, um. <laughs> Biter. See, what they did was, uh, Tops had different covers for the newsstand and different covers for the direct market. And yes. I have three, three of the direct market and they were all done by J. Michael Lindsner. Wow. Yeah, they're really nice covers. That's awesome. Again, again, you want a hot female? Yeah. A beautifully proportioned, flat belly, gorgeous female. J.M. Linzer is, is one of the go-to guys. And it's, it, it, it's appropriate because this miniseries focuses on the women of, uh, the Xenozoic universe. You guys know the setup of Xenozoic Tales, yes? Yes. Right? Uh, but for the listeners, just in case you don't know, there was a cataclysm. Um, it was in part man-made, not entirely, because it was a geological cataclysm. They don't really say exactly what happened, but it was bad. And humanity had to retreat underground. Now, if you're all living underground, you're going to need some kind of machinery to maintain life support, correct? Filter the air, maybe pump water in, a uh, little bit of heat, a little bit of light. Your most important um, resource is your mechanics. And uh, the uh, they eventually call them the old bloods. Now, these people were, were, were primo. They were, they were very lionized. They were almost... Um, shamanistic in, in their way with machinery. They just had a natural aptitude for fixing stuff. And, and so they were the go-to guys. When, when, when you depend on someone, they are held in high esteem. So 500 years goes by and mankind decides to venture to the surface. And that's when things started turning not so great. For the old bloods. I mean, they were still, you know, um, lauded, but not as much as they were when they were underground because they weren't absolutely essential on the surface. Underground, yes. 
Uh, so humanity sets, sets forth to the surface and they thought, well, everybody's up here, but if, as far as this series is concerned, not everyone emerged at the same time. What we have here is a, um, uh, stronghold of human beings that emerged after, well after everybody traipsed onto the surface and they're all women. Now, why are they all women? Well, their machinery mal- malfunctioned, and oddly enough, the gases or whatever that uh, issued from these malfunctioning mas- machinery only killed the men. All their men died. What? So what you have is a pack of women motorcycle riders. Think the Wild Bunch. In leather and garter belts and, and, you know, the spiky bits and, and Harleys. And their sole purpose is to scour the land in search of dick. That's basically it. They want to reproduce and they have no men. So what do you do? You go to the surface and you seek out some willing, uh, male and judging by the condition of these females who wouldn't be, their leader is a woman called Big Red. And just think of Peter Parker's hussy on a bike and you're probably not too far off the mark. Um, and uh, so Jack Tenrec, you know, Cadillac Jack, he's caught in the middle of it with with Hannah Dundee. But they're not alone because in this miniseries, there is the Terhune family. These guys are poachers. Well, they're, the matriarch of the Terhunes is called Ma. <laughs> That's a stretch, right? Um, but she's this old cigar chomping biddy who, um, wants the location of this, um, newly revealed stronghold and she'll do anything to get it. She'll kill, she'll poach, she'll put people in bad situations. And she has three really dumbass sons called Vice, Hammer, and Wrench. <laughs> and what they do is they just make shit bad for, for Jack and Hannah and everybody concerned. It's, uh, you have a dude in this series named Don Q. That's spelled D-O-N-K-Y-U. Don Q de la Marches. The guy thinks. Otherwise known as Redonculus. Yes, he is Redonculus, but he also thinks he's Don Quixote. And when we first. No, seriously, when, when we first meet, um, him, uh, Cadillac Jack and Hannah, they're, they're at this, this uh location there just happens to be windmills in the uh, background the windmills yes and he he rushes the windmills and and jack is like i know this guy uh, he's so and so and and uh don q says i am not i'm a knight of renown and i'm here to fell the beast and he rushes at the 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 windmill but behind the windmill is a uh a dinosaur and they don't just call them dinosaurs in the Cadillacs and dinosaurs universe, do they? No. They call them slithers and cutters, cutters, and this one is called a crankle. And I won't tell you why it's called a crankle. Do your damn research, but it's, it's very appropriate from Mr. Thomas to call this a crankle. Uh, I thought the series was really fun. It was, it was borderline great because it was I mean, there, there's, there's dastardly deeds going on, but it wasn't of major, yeah, it wasn't of major import. You know what I mean? Like it's fun. You got 
a scantily clad red haired woman on a motorcycle just looking to get laid and her and her 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 band uh Hannah at one point gets tied up and her shirt gets ripped you know i mean there's no nudity but it's it's Esteban Maroto so he's going to push it to the limits it was fun and you can pick these things up for like a song i got all three issues for like i think 2 dollars nice no really it, it there, there's a lot of gold buried in those old um cheapy bins uh, i'll tell you the 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 series is also backed up by uh little four and, and eight page stories. Mm-hmm. There is one in the second issue that was illustrated by um Rocco. That's the only name. Written by Roy Thomas, illustrated by Rocco. Uh and you really need to see this. Uh it's only one, two, three, four, five, six pages. It's called The King of the Beasts. When it begins you have an um a T-Rex fighting a woolly mammoth. Mm-hmm. The illustration is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a cross between picture a tight Richard Corbin. Um who else does it look like? Um somebody that has a very slick very polished style, like the, 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 the line is perfect, but the coloring is, that's why I say Corbin, cause the coloring is just flat out amazing. The, the, it opens with a single page, but the, then it segs into a double page spread, and you have a purple mountain behind a, like a bluish, grayish, brown, woolly mammoth, and a stark green T-Rex, but it's underlit, and, and the highlights, are orange and it's amazing. You need to see this. The 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 title of the this the story is in bright red. It's it's great, but it, it, it's all about like the king of the beasts. So you think, okay, T Rex versus Woolly Mammoth. I guess the the uh, victor of this this skirmish is going to be the king of the beasts. It's it's not. It's something entirely unforeseen. And when you think about it, it is appropriate because. Um, well, let's just say there's something that happens to us when we die and um, they are truly the king of the beasts because they they went out big, small, um, you know, you're all going to succumb to this this uh, predator. It's cool. It's cool beans. And in this series, I, I read a lot more than this series, but I don't want to go overload on Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Needless to say, if you have a couple bucks, you're looking for something different. Even though it wasn't drawn by Mark Schultz, they are his concepts, and they are uh, like Claude Saint Aubin illustrated the the first three, I believe. Um, Esteban the second three. It's just good, st- and and Roy Thomas all around. It's good stuff, really good stuff. But what I, I wanted to say about Mark Schultz, when you look at Z and the Zoic Tales, holy cow, is it beautiful? Right? There's no denying that. And it's very much in the style of the EC Masters. That alone um, would get, have guaranteed Mark Schultz a position in, in, in comics history as being a fantastic illustrator. One that could hold his own against the greats from EC Comics. Like, let's be honest. Mark Schultz is a great illustrator. You, you, you take the, 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 the best of EC, the guys that are in that zone, Wally Wood, 
and um you, you know um i'll say it jack davis uh oh, yeah. and, and and the ilk mark schultz does not pale by comparison he is as he is he is he you know he is he is as accomplished as at least visually yeah. as as those craftsmen but uh, that being said i think Cat, uh, xenozoic tales has staying power not only because it's a beautifully illustrated book, but, and it would have been great if it was just that, but the backstory, the, 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 the world building, the crafting of the, the premise of Xenozoic Tales, I think that's what really makes it shine. Or it, it just would have been a really pretty book, but right, right. There's, there's so much meat to chew on with Xenozoic. Like he gives these people a reason for being who they are. He gives the dinosaurs a reason for being there. Like, yes, it's kind of contrived. There, it, I don't really think it was explained why all these long dead species just happened to, to, to come back into existence just because humanity went underground for 500 years. But it's, it's the stuff of like classic what if science fiction. You don't really need to know, right? But, the, it's the old bloods that really make it for me. Cause that is exactly who would be valued in those situations, right? Your, your lawmakers and your politicians are revealed for what they are. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. You know, they're, they're not preserving humanity or extending their lifespan or, you know, keeping them safe. What you got is a mechanic who maybe, you know, twists a few nuts here and mm-hmm. there like David does. And, um, maintains this machine and because he's good with his hands everybody lives that's a skill right that's something to to uh, on which you can you know pride yourself that's what i love about xenozoic tales there's a rich tapestry right of of um storytelling here that that actually means something and it values people who actually do something of of a service to to humanity not you know other people who pretend they do so yes, my my political views are shining through, but fact remains, it's just a great series. It yeah. is a great series, and I will tell you that there is an artist edition of said work that I recently acquired, and it is breathtaking. Dick, I st- I have the um, I believe Flesk also put out the paperback version of. Xenozoic Tales, uh, maybe the complete collection, but yeah, that's on the nightstand and has been on the nightstand for a long time by the time I finally get to it. But yeah, the artist edition, I would love to take a look at that. Paperback writer. I have a nice, I have all the singles. Look at me. Wow. Oh, you're old. I'm old. I guess I'm old. Oh, that is pretty <laughs> old. I'll tell you, Kitchen Sink did a great job with those. Yeah. They did it up proud and fine. Nice. Yeah. Yep. So I got, I have more stuff later, but I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. Well, Dak oh. jumped on to mine piggyback, so he's got to have something he read on his own that he wants to chat about. Uh, well, let's, there, there are a couple things. Um, or do you want to talk about Frank Miller? Well, see, this is interesting because I, I absolutely just had this highlighted. I was going to mention, uh, Squadron Sinister number four, which is very oh. much a Dark Knight book. Uh, Squadron Sinister number four written by Mark Guggenheim. Pencils and inks by uh, Carlos Pacheco mm. and uh, Mariano Taibo and colors by Frank Martin. It is the final issue of the Squadron 
Sinister Secret Wars tie-in miniseries uh, titled The Dark Knight Falls, and it is where everything was uh, headed. And it it definitely ties into Secret Wars towards the end of the issue. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's about time, right? Yeah, well, because uh, mm-hmm. because don't forget we had a Thor die in the first uh, killed murdered in the first issue. Uh, we've, uh, murder was the case that they gave me. <laughs> the, uh, and, and so, you know, someone has to answer for that. And Nighthawk was pretty slick with just about everything that he did. And he took, um, he was basically hedging his bets and he was trying, he, he took advantage of the fact that, you know, as long as the barons, as long as your lands, are taken care of and you don't need to as long as you're on top of your shit then I'm not you don't need me to interfere you're, you're, Doom's not going to come around and you know want to know what's up he's not looking for fucking status reports like mm-hmm. I fucking bosses every week so you have mm-hmm. the uh you have Nighthawk thinking I'm going to lock this shit down and everything's going to be rosy and, and right as rain and, and all will be well in my little world. Uh, but I guess maybe he overstepped. So the, uh, the, the issue had a fantastic panel, a, a, a nice little homage to Frank Miller, uh, where Carlos even said, you know, FM was here because you had Nighthawk basically all bat armored up thanks to Dr. Spectrum's prism. Uh, he was taken down Hyperion and, and, and he hauled off and beating the crap out of him. Uh, and when the fight was over, uh, star brands showed up and then Thor's showed up because Nighthawk's presence was requested and required and he was to go see Doom. And so he left. And then you had, um, basically it's, it's the devil, you know, you know, never, mm-hmm. you gotta be careful about what you wish for because things just may have been better off where they were. And, uh, that's kind of how it, it ends somewhat. It's, I'm dancing around some things because in this particular issue, it, it, it is, it's, it's the journey, you know, I, I can tell you kind of how it ends. And, and, and I mean, the last page, now I want to see if that gets picked up somewhere else, because I read a few, I read a couple secret wars tie-ins that actually tied into the most recent issue of secret wars, where that hasn't happened with the first six issues, uh, specifically Thor's Thor's number four, the events in that issue, they, what happens in Secret Wars number seven, I was kind of scratching my head about because I did not finish the Thor's miniseries. And had I, then uh, that page would have made sense in Secret Wars number seven. And so there were a couple of things. Because even in even in the recap page of Secret Wars seven, they, they reference it. And I'm like, that didn't happen in issue six. And uh, so things are kind of seeping out of the main series at this point. But the uh, Squadron Sinister, the... The battle, I thought, it, 
I don't know if it was too short, but I mean, it, it, if you were waiting for that to happen, if, if everything that Nighthawk was planning, it, he was, I'll, I'll, I'll say he was successful in that regard. Everything that he had <laughs> put in motion, everything that he wanted to happen, uh, happened. And I was giddy to see it. It, it was, it was a beautiful plan and, and, and how it all, uh, played out. It, it was great to see. It's, it, it's beautiful issue. They, it, it was consistent from issue one. To issue four, I I cannot complain about Squadron Sinister, and and I don't know if as I'm as I'm thinking about my eleven o'clock and looking at limited series or uh, just what would be uh, where it could fit on the list. I don't know if the fact that it ties into Secret Wars and that it's not so standalone by the time you get to the end of it, I don't know if that will um, skew my uh, my feelings on it when it comes time to. Uh, to ranking it if it does have a place on the ballot. So we'll see about that. It was still a fantastic limited series. And, and mm-hmm. I think that uh, it was some of Pacheco's best work that I've seen uh, probably since he's been back at Marvel since, since he left. You're not lying. Not Superman. It's good yeah. Pacheco. Oh yeah. Yeah. His Superman stuff is great. It is. It's so, so cool. I might reread that. Yeah. That's great stuff. It's not a bad run. Dude, Avengers um, forever though. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, come, on. come on. Yeah, no, that's... seriously, I'm a little bit salty at Marvel. <laughs> Why? Um, because they're publishing all of these Secret Wars um, tie-in books, miniseries, as trade paperbacks. Yeah. Like what? Why? Why are you doing this? Well, as opposed to because, what? as opposed, I want these in hardcover because. No, but the see, mo- the, well, I know what you're saying. You also want like hardcover, sell. but. These would never sell. I mean, they have to be super yeah. cheap and consumable. Because they're, they're totally okay. throwaway and the release schedule's only made it worse. I mean, this, they're, half these series are still being finished as we're getting the all new, all different new ongoings, which are completely different. Yeah, you know, from a, maybe it makes sense from a business standpoint, yeah. but that does, that language doesn't make sense to me either. Oh, I guess so. the, right, but the, I, I'm talking about the material, the actual th- things that have been created mm-hmm. warrant the hardcover treatment. Weird World, Squadron, um, Sinister, uh, I mean, just go down, right, where my, just go down the line, more often than not, these, these miniseries, um, the Ghost Riders, all of them, well, not all of them, but most of them, yeah, most of them, the quality of the work produced warrants the hardcover treatment. I'm just hoping somewhere down the line, somebody says, all right, there's still money to be made. We got a lot of people out there that want this. Let's bust them all up into two omnibus yeah, editions. Yeah, no, that's it, it, you know you got my money. Right. If, if you get money, that, we we need these things in a more durable format than that crappy ass trade paperback. And the, yeah, at DCBS they're discounted, so you're gonna get them for like eight nine bucks a piece, so they're worth it. But the one thing that bothers me, and this is where the fanboy shines through, um, when you're done reading a book and the cover bows and mm. sticks up, yeah, well, drives me nuts. Can't have that. I cannot have that. So the uh, since that's the one super well, not one, but I am very superficial about 
my the qual the, the 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 condition of my books. If I read it and it looks like you know somebody took it out from a library, uh, the, the, I can't I cannot have it. Yeah. Oh, Vince, I, I uh, tweaked my bookshelf a little bit and moved some things around, and uh, the Green Lantern Omnibus Volume Two is now on the shelf next to Volume One. As it should As be. It should. You know, I am I'm terrible at shelving things. I wanted to reread Zero. All three of them because four is coming out soon and it takes me forever to corral all of the volumes in a certain series just because I'm so lazy. Yeah. Books come in, make a stack, right? Yep. That stack yep. turns into another yep. stack. They're like rabbits. They multiply, right? And it's like, where are these books? I want to reread Mind Management. I have all the hardcovers to date. Screw me if I can't find them all. Oh. Like, I know I own them. Where the hell are they? It's ridiculous. I need more of those Ikea, um, what is it, the Billy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The double ones are sweet. Oh, um, since I talked about something that was pretty much Frank Miller related, there was an interview that was released, um, where Vulture spoke with Mr. Frank Miller. And they got his, uh, well, I guess Dark Knight 3 came up as well as Dark Knight 4, uh, which I'm hoping becomes like Ocean's 13 and Mission Impossible 3 where you kind of forget <laughs> the previous installment. But, uh, so, so Dark Knight 4 is coming out and, and when mentioning Dark Knight 4, it became obvious that uh, aside from those 16 pages that Frank is drawing in the full, the first issue Frank is drawing, but then he's writing the, uh, all eight. Um, so aside from those 16 pages, Dark Knight three is pretty much only cashing in on, on Frank Miller's earlier works. And, and that was that, that could be surprising. I don't know if it's as surprising as some of his political leanings as far as that interview went. But, yeah, that was a – I enjoyed reading that this morning. I don't know if you guys did. Um, I found it interesting. I don't know that I would say I enjoyed it in the sense that um, it uh, it feels like – this felt like an Alan Moore interview only without the, the, the saltiness. Like <laughs> – like Frank wasn't like hating on DC at all. No, not at but all. But he was very much like, talk to my boy Azarello. This is his thing, not mine. Like I'm gonna do mine, and DC <laughs> decided I'm gonna do mine because it's gonna sell. But I'm not, but that's not that's that's four, not three. So if you want to talk about three, that's that's my man's thing. And again, like I think that's new news. That's why it's, that's why it's news today. Yes, I mean, yes, absolutely. Jim Lee and Dio and and Snyder and. Azarello off had very different accounts of how this came to be. Yeah. And like, even to your point, David, in the interview, like, I think the funniest part was, was like, the guy says, hey, do you ever reread the Dark Knight Returns? And then he said, well, I did read Brian's version. I've got mine memorized. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and then he's like, have you, you really haven't read the original? He's like, no, of course I have. Come on, man. He's like, I'm, he's like, I, I, I'm only pretending to be modest. Everybody reads their own stuff. Um, but so yeah, he's not involved. This is not his thing. And uh but I guess the good news, especially for those of people like Vince that were super excited for three, is that the uh, advent of this third volume has created a 
bug up Frank's uh, butt to do a four that he will be doing, and it will be, in his view, the the true sequel. So, um, I, I'm it, this makes me far more curious to see Master Race than I was going into this. What it what was when because uh, I read the Vulture interview this morning, and then um, I think comicbook.com there were there were some other interviews that leaked out where he uh he said that he he read he read Brian's stuff but um Dark Knight 4 may not really build on anything that Brian is doing in Dark Knight 3 like whether or not it'll even reference it and which you know is like the Rocky movies or Highlander three or X Men Days of Future Past, where it's like, eh, no, no, those those X Men three didn't that doesn't exist. There's no X Men Last Stand. So um, it will be interesting to see. I, the completest, the people who want it all. Um, yeah, apparently Miller said he supports Azarello's story. That his follow up will be aware of DK three. Uh, and that he won't be working on DK4 until he's read DK3 in full. So mm-hmm. we may finish it before he finishes reading it. The, uh, but yeah, it's, it definitely is not the way it was worded or reported or phrased or whatever they were saying back in July at, at San Diego. Uh, it was, all everything that I read, the impressions I was under were that uh, Frank and Azarello are co-writing the main story, and Frank is writing the sixteen-pager, uh, and that and Kubert and and Jansen were doing the art. So this was a little bit of a surprise, and Vince is unsurprisingly quiet. It's because Vince doesn't care. You don't care, Mister. No, Mr. Miller could mushroom stamp the inside front cover and I would still buy it. Well, well sure, but yeah. isn't it fair to say that you, and you're not alone here, were ebullient at the idea that we were getting Frank to do another book? Sure. That's, that's fine. I mean, if he does 16 pages in one issue and then I have to wait a little while to get more from him, that's fine too. I think that the Dark Knight should be an anthology. Keep it in that universe. Let other people work on it. Great. Well, that, isn't that the main Batman book? I don't know. Is uh, it? Well, not now. It's Snyder and. Um, I thought another part of the interesting, interesting part of the interview, though, which is um, he said, uh, "In your mind, what's the biggest misunderstanding people have about the Dark Knight Returns?" And Frank said, "That's actually a question that he's been begging for someone to ask." And this is interesting, I think, because again, there's few few comic books that have been as dissected critically as DKR, ourselves included. And he says as follows. Uh, what I feel was most was misinterpreted most was that people thought I'd cast Batman as an anti-hero, when in fact I'd intended him as the purest of heroes. The idea was that he was, like Robin Hood, a character introduced in a time when the established order was wrong and had to be overturned. So he is politically a radical and a revolutionary out to overthrow a corrupt police state. It's a very patriotic and loyal-to-the-law kind of story, but the established authorities were doing the wrong thing, so it took an outlaw to bring justice. I always saw that his version of Batman as as uh, like a freedom fighter. Isn't it interesting though that Miller thinks that that's a huge misunderstanding that people don't see it that way? 
Hmm. Like, I find that interesting that people see it that way. And you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't think people saw it the way he's describing it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. Really? The, the, the state is totally corrupt. No, no, no. No, the way that. David and I are agreeing with you. Yes. What okay. I'm but is you, I'm you surprised think... that Miller thinks that, like, that the biggest misunderstanding is that people see it the other way. Oh, does anything Miller thinks really surprise I people? True. I mean, you know, look at his, his, um, he's got some pretty, um, unpolitically correct viewpoints. And, and I don't begrudge him that. I mean, I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but, you know, God bless him for the balls to come out and say it because a lot of people would not in, in these times, especially, um, where, you know, being even a little bit, um, against popular opinion is, is a cause for, for scorn. I mean, people have, have ended careers over, you know, just dropping a little, uh, opinion on something they thought was insignificant. It turned out to be like this big thing. And it's just like, Frank's got the balls to get up there. I mean, look at Holy Terror. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's not something that, you know, you want to go on top of the rooftop and, and, and scream it out. But Frank did. And he does. And he doesn't give a shit. That's what I love about Frank. Frank does not care what you think or what I think or what anybody thinks. Well, it's true because they ask him about the big giant Superman cock in the Superman drawing that he did. Mm-hmm. And he goes, part of my job is drawing figures. Look at Michelangelo. Look yeah. at anything. If I pretended something wasn't there, I really wouldn't be doing a very good job. I'd hate to think that all my heroes had been castrated. <laughs> He's just like, I drew a big dick. Well, don't you think yeah, Superman yeah. should have a really big ding dong? I, I really I mean, hadn't given it much thought, to be honest with you. But well, but yes, he probably you, should. Yeah, since he's the perfect man. And then you know what happens when when that ding dong gets something done to it? It's like the pro. You're in danger of getting your head blown off. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. That's a good book too. I that is a good that, book. Yeah. I lo- I love that book a lot, and it just seems to have um. There's not a, it's not ref, referenced as much as it used to be. Like around the first five years uh, from its publication date, it was like, yeah, this is in the vein of the pro. And then it's like, now it's kind of like evaporated. Right. But I still think it's a great book. And he also said in the interview that he's, that he's healthy. I kind of disagree. Well, either way, I think we all, we all think he's not healthy, but he, he, they said it was reported last year that you're having some health problems. How are you feeling these days? And he said, "Oh yeah, I'm doing fine." Again, good. not exactly a. I mean, he's not saying I'm 100 percent healthy, but he's saying he's feeling fine. So that's good. Yeah. No. Um. He he's one of a well, lot. This is no news. He's one of those guys that you know just put his name anywhere near a project, and I will at least seek it out. But um. It's, it's, it's a great stretch for me, not only to buy a Batman book, but to buy the entire series. And, um, I'm doing that with, with DK3. Just, just because. I, I I'm not, I'm sure Azarello and company are not going to let us down. It's going to be at least engaging on a, on a, on a level, uh, as to which Azarello has engaged us in the past. It's going to be, I don't want to say it's going to be good, because that's, a little bit presumptuous. I'm, I'm guaranteed right? at least 16 pages that I will be reading for the eight issues. Huh? You're going to read Miller's? That is why. That that's why I'm buying it. Right. Well, there's nothing shabby about Jansen. There, 
No, there isn't. And, and Jansen's been over JR for JRJR for a long time now. I'm, I'm used to Jansen. I know what the, I know what I'm getting with Klaus. I haven't read anything new by Miller in a long time. And, and yes, Frank is the reason why I would be checking out a Dark Knight book. Had I known before today the actual layout of the book, I don't know if I would have pre-ordered it. I probably, because if you get the, the, the hardcover, you're getting the 16 pages in the standard size with the rest of the book, whereas the, the, the standard version is, has the mini comic format or whatever you want to call it. So I really hate to see Frank's work shrunk down like that. I just, it is one of those things where had they been more clear when it was announced and solicited even, not just, I mean, the book comes out in a week and we're finding out today that no, no, it's, it's Brian, Brian's writing the main story. And it had, yeah. had we had, had I known that it's something I may have waited on for the collection and read it then. And so be it. But, you know, um, I'm pretty much all in now. I want the slipcase when it's done. It's, you know, it's going to go. I, I have all of the Dark Knights in single issues. I don't know why I would stop now. And it's, it, it is what it is, but it, it's just, it's, it's interesting that, you know, Frank gives an interview before the first issue drops and we're already, Jason and I are excited about Dark Knight 4. And we haven't even read the first issue of Dark Knight 3. It's a little bit of dirty carpool. I have to agree. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there's not much logic to this. But since it's one of the few DC books I pre-order, uh, it, 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 it's not in my best interest to get ticked off at, at their shenanigans. But... You know, if I was all in with DC, uh, maybe it would bother me. I don't, I don't know. It's, it, like I said, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and it, it usually doesn't when it, when it concerns Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. My, my, um, biggest hope is that for Dark Knight 4, that Frank gets even more outrageous and, and just totally eclipses DK2. Just go right off the rails. No, <laughs> like e- e- logic, not even a concern. Um, th- keeping in, in his creativity no, just go crazy right. with with DK. And you know what? It, it the sales on the first maybe two would be really good, like DK two, and you'd see like it trail off after a while. But I, I who cares? I just want Frank to just go hog wild, go crazy. I get that. Because it's Batman. I mean, I, I think his pretty much is the only voice for Batman now. In, in, in that's just my book. Um, yeah, I've, I've Schneid, uh, Scott Snyder's doing great stuff with it from what I hear, but I, I, I could not care any less. I just, there's one man that I equate with Batman now, and that's Frank Miller. Yeah, I think Schneider went astray with the whole zero, year zero thing. Like, I heard it was too long. Well, he had such momentum, and we were talking about the book nonstop. 
And I like the Court of Owls. Yeah, yeah that's what I that mean. was and fun. Then he, and then he did the whole one, the, yeah. the, the one year yeah. thing. And I know that made it. That I mean, I'm still collecting it, but it made me really fall off. And then it seemed like the uh, the, the Commissioner Gordon in an exoskeleton as Batman has has kind of fallen flat for some people. So yeah, me too. But there's no denying it's a pretty book. Oh yeah, it is. Poppy Capullo is still a beast. Yep, amazing, amazing guy. No doubt. Yep. What else do we have to talk about? Uh, let's see. Oh, Slash and Burn number one. Since what is this? This is a Vertical book. Yeah, it's one of the Vertical books. Ooh. This has me stoked, and I, I actually and I, I um I pinged Andy this afternoon because when you read the book, you get to the credits. And something that is extremely rare. This is written by Cy Spencer, pencils by Max Dunbar, inks by the amazing Andy Parks. Uh, but when you get to Slash and Burn created by, it says Spencer, Dunbar, and Parks. Wow. And I am ecstatic. You're elated by this. It's, it's, I, beyond elated. This is, uh, um, and I hope to, you know, maybe chat it over with, chat with Andy over it eventually, but it's, um, you know, it, it's great to see. And this, I, I, I checked out the first issue because Andy's inking it. Andy is the reason why I bought Irredeemable Ant-Man. So I, he's somebody who will get me to buy a book. And I, I dug this. I don't know if like something that happened on, on the walking dead. I, I thought, it was pretty apparent, but apparently, um, and, and it's about a character and, and, uh, but I'm, I'm not trying to, but they're just, I, I don't know if I read it in the solicit or if it was just something that was, um, that wasn't all that subtle as I'm reading the issue, but, but the main character makes a reveal at the end of the issue, uh, that I thought was already known kind of going in and that just could be because of the way the 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 story is told from the point of view of the uh of the main character she's narrating it and and she uh and i i guess because of the way she was speaking and and, and the story she was telling she's she's a firefighter and uh she is is an investigator so she was looking for um there's she's she's an orphan she has not had a, the kid she was hanging out with at the orphanage, it, it, things seem to be okay in her life. Uh, I guess the mayor kind of set her up with, with, with a trust fund and, um, she's still friendly with the mayor. Sure. Uh, I don't know if she's, um, well, it's, she, she, she's kind of, contradictory but it's 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 a beautiful looking book i'm not i i know i've seen max Dunbar's work before uh he and andy seem to work pretty well together the art looks great uh cy spencer i've read some work before i i kind of like where this is going it 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 does not i guess maybe it reminds me it's kind of in this, if, if you like the exterminators, you might, this is probably something that you'd be comfortable with. It, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it's not a, uh, it's not, it's not some strange 
fantasy world. It's not, it's, it's a vertigo book, but not, uh, it, it's not Sandman. It's not Swamp Thing. It's, it's more of a, of a real life type thing. And it, it, it's just a, uh, it's something I would, I would recommend. I, I'm looking forward to Tom's book, but this was, this was also on, uh, on my radar when Jason and I were doing the San Diego Vertigo News recap, but it, it's, um, I, it's, it's also nothing like art ops, which is something else I read. So I mean, there are certain books I think about when, when I, when I think about Vertigo, there are just certain books because I, I, knowing it's a DC imprint, I just kind of have a sense about the kind of books Vertigo publishes, like Shade the Changing Man. You know, there are just some things that I think about with Vertigo. Exterminators really wasn't one of them. Slash and Burn doesn't really feel like a Vertigo book, but that could be with, you know, Rich's influence on, on the line now. Um, maybe that will just, you know, don't, don't expect it. it just to think of it as like, you know, DC image, it, but it, it was a, uh, I was very happy. I didn't have low expectations. I didn't have high expectations. I was just looking forward to it. And, and, and I was, uh, I, I really dug it. I thought that, um, it was a strong first issue as far as, you know, introducing you to the characters. Uh, and there's a, there's a, um, our heroine sees somebody from her past who, uh, she's, from what I can gather, uh, the other kids in the orphanage, I don't know if she's kept in touch with them, but they've kind of all, um, haven't been around and the fact that she saw one of them as an, as an adult, uh, has me really intrigued because I want to find out what the hell went on with, with, with that part of her life. So as far as, you know, her being a firefighter and, and whether or not we're getting knee deep in what goes on and with those, I'm not, reading this to find out, you know, what a firefighter does and, and how they get ready to go battle fires. But I'm, I'm more interested in the characters of it. And, and the, uh, the first issue definitely set that up. So I would, I would recommend Slash and Burn. If you haven't read it yet, I, I would, uh, I'd suggest it. I'll tell you what, oh, it's sitting on my pile. I haven't read it yet, but like I was saying last week, Vertigo, this, this Vertigo relaunch has been strong out of yeah. the gates. And every book so far that I've read has been super high quality, which, uh, it's nice. It's nice to have, I think it feels good to have her to go back doing great things. It's the way it should I be. Agree. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Cause I did read, uh, Twilight Children, the first two issues of that today. And now oh, I didn't read the second issue yet, but oh, I, okay. It was good. It, yeah, definitely good. Um, it's, but again, it's one of those things where it's like, I have to check the cover to see that, you know, it is a vertical book. It, it, it's Darwin Cook and it looks amazing. Uh, it's Gilbert Hernandez. So, I mean, there's just, of course, they're in a, a, a Spanish speaking town. There, there are just certain things that, that you're kind of are given depending on the creators involved. But, uh, the, the whole mystery aspect of it with, with, with this glowing ball. And, um, I think you'll dig the second issue because we got a little bit of Bundo's backstory, but it's a, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know what the hell to expect with Twilight Children, but I turn each page and I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying every single minute of it. It's a beautiful book. It's, uh, is it four issues? 
or six. I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's too damn short is what it is, but it's, it's going to be a, uh, it's, I read the, I got to the end of the second issue and I, and I wanted the third. I, I, this is one of those things where it's one of those books where I just, I, I want more as before I even finish it. It's, it's really, really just, but it, it, it's like you said, it's it, vertigo is just, is, is swinging. They're, they're, they're coming out strong and it's, this is no joke. Yeah. I'm going to pick up the trades for all the new series. No, that should be something that comes out in a hardcover. I would think Gil- Gilbert and Darwin. Yeah. Darwin. Yeah, I would hope so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not messing with the single issues on these. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I was going to say that, uh, the fourth and final issue of, uh, Airboy came out. Uh, yes, it did. That's on my list too. And Vince, I know you weren't feeling that first issue, but Dap and I were, were really enjoying it. And I have to say, I, I think this is a unique book. I, I, especially the way it finished up, I just think it's so unusual for, um, a, a, a book like this to be done by such a high profile artist on an image book and, it would be one thing if this book was just essentially an semi-autobiographical uh, look at his own life, which is really what it is. But to have it wrapped up in the veneer of, of Airboy and this fever dream where they're in Airboy's world and having to fight the Nazis and stuff, it's just, I think, pretty special. And I, I got to give Robinson, or frankly, any creator credit for when they put themselves out there like this. I mean, Homeboy was not pulling any punches about where he's at in his life, how he got there, everything from, you know, just blatantly admitting that he totally fucked his marriage up, that he's yeah. a drug addict, that he's basically ruined his, he, he, he's became, he started hating himself because he felt like he ruined his own career by leaving comics to create the League um, of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. Well, comic book, um, what's the word, uh, not before he did before he wrote League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he he directed uh that uh that movie uh was it comic book villains? Comic villains, yeah. Yeah. And he's I mean in this book he's 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 basically that before he's about to sacrifice himself to save save the allies against the Nazis, he's saying like, dude, like it should be me, like I fucked my life up. Like I wrote I what the hell did I do do what did I do comic book villains for? I alienated myself from all my friends and my peers and then I followed up by writing out, you know, LXG, like, what the fuck was I thinking? And, uh, and it ruined my marriage. And like, and, and, and then to have it all go full circle where, where Greg Hinkle, who's has been his running mate throughout the whole thing, essentially they come out of the fever dream and have Hinkle basically tell him like, dude, I'm out of here. Like I wanted to work with the real James Robinson, not this guy, that this loser, a drug addict who's self-loathing and doesn't understand that. Yeah, I know you may have had some bad luck, but dude, like most of it's been, all, most of your bad luck's been self-imposed. Like, yeah. You've had opportunities and achievements that most would die for, and a lot of people, frankly, still look up to you as an amazing writer, and you should appreciate that. And just, uh, man, he just put his shit right out there for everybody to see, yeah. and did it in the cloak of of a book that was supposed to be, in many people's eyes, something completely different. And uh, I, I, I just tip my cap to the dude. Like I'm, I'm rooting for him. I mean, it seems like his he's not in a great place, but but I'm hoping that uh, it works out for him, man, because because he's a very good writer. He's a very very good writer. And uh, when he's on his game, he he's he's among the best. But but uh, he's been off his game for a long time. So, See, and I think that this I don't know. I th- 
from when I read the first issue, I think this book was like set not in present day. It's at least a few months or maybe I, I, because I do believe he and Jan have since divorced. Yeah, they're divorced. So when the book starts, when he meets Greg, he's, he's still married to Jan. So I don't know. I, I don't know when in his life, what, what year, this 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 fever dream this meeting with greg all of this happens and and what's but i am now really anxious to see what becomes of this what you know what what his next work is i i am want i because obviously since the events from airboy happened whatever you want to call them you know he wrote fantastic four and wrote the the the, the last year or so issues of 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 that title before Secret Wars and, uh, you know, he's, he's written other things recently, but now with Airboy out and, and laying it all out there, cause it's, he, even though it was Greg saying these things in the book, it was still written by James and, and he, it was, it was beautifully drawn, but it was James's story and, and for him to end it with with his actions and and his how he responds to to what Greg was saying and I I would love to see if James and Greg work together now on something else and it doesn't even have to tie into this doesn't have any, have any connection to this I don't want a sequel to Airboy I want to see what James Robinson does next after what he realized while working on on Airboy for Image. Agreed. Agreed. And Hinkle's the beast too. Hinkle actually, uh, is, uh, boys with, with Ron and, uh, is a fellow isotope goer and had been, uh, on the grind for a long time trying to make it in the biz. And I hope this vaults him up there because as a cartoonist, he doesn't need any more seasoning. Dude is, is ready oh, for whatever, yeah. whatever somebody wants to throw him next, he can handle it. Seriously. So. Man, I think he would be great doing like a a BPRD series next. I think I probably I like think that because he just got done drawing a lot of World War II stuff. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It, but <laughs> but no, nah, I mean the dude. I love his figure work, and he's got so expressive, and he's he's those automatons that he drew are awesome looking. And bring back the invaders. Yeah, and and I I love that during the whole series, these two guys have like giant horse cocks. Yeah, and then when they come out of the fever dream, they just have small little just little, little white dude dicks. Well, maybe the water was cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, it ends up that they're showers, not growers. That's I mean, it. Growers, not showers. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most half-hearted cool awesome. ever. Oh my god! You are the ball. Yeah. What else you got, Vince? I got more dinosaurs. Okay, there you go. Bring us, bring us back. Get that excitement in your voice back. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, written by Robert Place Napton. Illustrated by Cliff Richards, but not that Cliff Richards. Not young ones, Cliff Richards. Uh, colored by Esther Sands. Lettered by Marshall Dillon. The covers are by Jay Lee. Uh, it's published by Dynamite. And we'll tell you what it is yet. But, uh, you have a military man named Roger Drum. And he's, uh, flying around in his little jet plane and stuff happens and he crashes. 
in a swamp. And he's, he's addled. He doesn't, ugh, doesn't know where he is. Uh, but he's resourceful. He's very good at what he does. He gets to a, a position of relative safety and he's, he's trying to fire up the, the communicator and he doesn't remember who he is. But all that military training, um, kind of kicks in and he's, he's, uh, belching out the keywords and, you know, tango, bravo, blah, 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 blah. And he, and, and nobody answered. And he's, and he's like, what the hell is going on? All of a sudden, from out of the swamp, uh, a massive, and that's an oxymoron when you're talking about this beast, a T-Rex kind of emerges and chows down on uh, his uh, wingman who was trapped in the plane. And he's like, what in the hell is going on? Um, he gets out of harm's way and uh, is accosted by a saber-toothed tiger. And once again, his, his military training kicks in and he dispatches the tiger only to learn that the beast had a cub. Right? So the cub kind of imprints in itself onto, uh, Mr. Drum and he now has a sidekick. Uh, this is after Mr. Drum saves him from a raptor. So the two become buddies. He names the, the cat Saber. He's not very original, Mr. Mr. Drum, but you know, you get, can't fault the guy. He's a stranger in a strange land. This is called, and it was originally created by Gardner Fox and the great, no understatement, Mr. Frank Frazetta. It's Thunder. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, it's, it's basically uh, a mix of Tarzan and, uh, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Pellucidar stuff. You know, you have your, your, your very, very smart, uh, wild man who, like Lord Greystoke, is much more than a savage. No stuff, very cunning, very wise, very intelligent. And he finds himself in this land where, you know, uh, you have races of, of people. You have the, uh, the Shireen who are um back you know they're, they're they're backwater peoples they don't even know about the bow and arrow yet and and when they kidnap um Roger he has to show them how to make you know bows and arrows and that's why they keep him alive and it just so happens that the 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 princess of the the Shireen is named Fa she takes a shine to Mr. Drum shows him this gigantic temple uh temple of Kala and what's at the top of a temple but a gong and nobody's been able to ring this gong ever so guess what happens later on in the series it's telegraphed it really is i mean if there's a gun on page 1 it's going to fire by the end of the book so there's a giant gong on the top of this temple and nobody's you can't ring that we've tried it just doesn't work okay um and and there's uh you know the adversaries are the druthga they're they're these um Intelligent apes, um, led by Kwa Kung, who, unbeknownst to, uh, Fa, it's P-H-A, so I'm, I'm guessing it's Fa, um, the elders of the Shireen set up this deal with the Druthka that, you know what? Every 12 moons, you can come in and take our women and rape them and kill them, but 
you know, leave our people alone otherwise. And, you know, that's cool. Hey, you know what? The men are safe, but F the women. Who cares, right? They're only women. And, and, and Fa eventually learns of this and she's like, what the hell did you guys do? Like, why did you set this up? And it's like, the, the elders are like, well, it's for peace and all we wanted was for our people not to be killed. But yeah, but they're taking your women and they're raping the shit out of them. It's not cool, elder. Um, and so Roger Drum steps in and, you know, eventually saves the day and it's really cool and you got giant, Beasts rampaging across the land and the monkeys ride the dinosaur or the mammoths and they've trained them and it's a mess. And what's going to happen? It's all adapted from the, the Gardner Fox, Frank Frazetta stuff. They were, um, you know, shorts, like eight pages, but the, they've taken the best of those stories and extended them, right? And it's, it's really cool. It's, it, it's, it's mostly lighthearted, like Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You get the, the, the awe factor of just dinosaurs and men coexisting and people getting eaten and a, uh, Kazar-esque. It's, he's a, a mix of Kazar and Tarzan because he's got the saber tooth sidekick, but he looks like Tarzan. And he's got the military training. It's a fun freaking series. So slowly but surely, uh, when was this published? It, I don't think it was recent. I think it's, um, first printing, uh, 2012. So it's, it's in the distant, uh, past, but it's still, my, my opinion of dynamite is slowly, slowly turning around. Slowly um, I turned. Slowly to face. <laughs> And um Jay Lee, when he's on his game, Oof. yeah, he's, he, the dude, dude's hard to beat. And and these covers are very much in line with what he did for the Dark Tower books. Real heavy blacks. I don't know how the dude gets away with it. He he had about at least it, it's basically a uh, backgrounds are not Jay Jay Lee's thing. He he that allows the colorist. He yes he he let, lets the colorist just go hog wild mm-hmm. on the backgrounds. But the 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 figure work in the foreground very sharp. But it's always punctuated by these extremely heavy blacks. Like more than half of what he lays down is solid black. I don't know how he gets away with it because you take it as gospel that yeah. There is a massive shadow there when in reality there would not be that thick of a shadow where he places them. But it works. It works astoundingly well. I, I love his stuff. Um, in the fifth issue, unfortunately, the cover, well, let's not be mean. The cover was not done by, um, it says it was done by Jay Lee, but I don't think so. It doesn't look like a, a Jay Lee to me. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, once again, I got all five issues of this miniseries. For like three bucks. So there is, there are bargains yet. Oh, there are lots be, of bargains to be had. To be found, yeah, yes. yeah. It's funny too how much that has changed at cons. Like I feel like the, the, uh, uh, the back issue bin guys are just left, uh, twiddling their thumbs these days. Like sure there are some guys that look through, but, but it used to be that, you know, you go to a con and when we would do this too, it would be, Every long box would have people hovering over it, waiting for their turn. Seriously. Now, I mean, yeah. there's a couple people leafing through long boxes, but but it's there's never a, a line, there's never a crowd. It's just 
people maybe go and look for a specific issue or two and then they move on. It's a very different thing. And I'm well, not saying it's, it's bad, like the, the new reality, no. but because I'm like that too, I don't, I don't buy that many back issues anymore. But, but that said, I do kind of miss the, the love of the paper where, you know, the, the, just before the internet, when you, you had issues you always, you wanted for your collection and you just had no idea where to find them. So you looked everywhere and then every now and then you would stumble across one and it was like hitting a mini, mini lottery, like winning the pick three, you know? Yep. I, I treasure the paper. The digital stuff does nothing. Um, but I, I, I don't treasure the contemporary paper. Like the, the idea of me spending three ninety nine on a vertigo book is completely off the table. I just won't do it, but I'll buy the trade. It's more, it's more resilient. I can read it all in one mm-hmm. shot. It's just that's where I'm tuned. But for the the older stuff, especially if I'm going to get an entire miniseries for three bucks, something I would have maybe picked up if I had a slot open in my my uh, my monthly budget. But you know, more often than not, let we know how that goes. There's really well, we're not chasing, but realistic people. <laughs> That, that, that have a budget sometimes have to pull things when, you know. I have a budget, know. dude. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> you're, you're cute. Um, so yeah, I love the back issue bins. And you know, more often than not, the back issue bins end up costing me money because I'm, I'll find maybe like issue 16 of a book and I'm like, oh my God, this book was a lot better than I thought it was. Then I got to go back and find because if I like one issue, I'm going to get the whole series. That's just how I am. And I'll just go on this quest to get the, the, every book that I miss. And I ended up, I end up paying more. The, let's just, okay, the, the, the back issue, the cheapy bin was not a bargain when you, I factor in what it cost me to get all the other issues. Right? So, um, and I think the reason why you don't see a whole lot of people hovering over the long boxes is because I don't care what anybody says. I think there is a a fairly substantial influx of new people into the hobby. From the movies and stuff like The Walking Dead, which, sons of bitches, we have s- still no word on, on, on Glenn. It's driving me crazy. Oh, I, I think you haven't checked the internet in the last 24 hours. I haven't. I don't want to. Well, I'm saying um, there is word, but I, I'll, leave that, this is, I'll leave it there. This is... In in terms of audience manipulation, this season of The Walking Dead is like William Castle level audience manipulation. I think it's masterful. I don't like it. Um, it's painful to me, but when when I look at it as a carefully constructed series of stories that as a whole are designed to do one specific thing, it's masterful what they're doing this season. It really is. Because they are they are playing us like a Stradivarius. But anyway, um, shut up. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of new people in the hobby, and they're maybe they just don't know about the old stuff. They don't know to seek out the back issue bins because they're all hopped up on the new, like like most people who enter a a uh, any kind of uh, arena to which they are not exposed. The new stuff is like, wow, what's this? Oh, did you know there's something else like this that came out like 20 years ago that's even better? They don't know that stuff yet. So give them time, I think. I could be totally off base, but that's my that that's my guess. Cool. And and I think the long-timers pretty much have most of what they want anyway. So I'm there by the long boxes. David's there. Where are you looking? 
I'm, Jason I'm, I'm Wood? in the booth over looking at the original art. That's true. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> With my budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your budget. My, my, my budget. Yeah. They're small. There's there's African countries oh, that have a smaller price. <laughs> oh, my order was kind of big this month. Really, what was it? Blah blah blah. <laughs> Jesus, that's what I pay for a year. It's you like, dick. Like two commas. There's like two commas in his budget. Seriously, <laughs> how many commas you got in your budget? Commas. What the wait? What? I got a one comma budget. <laughs> Comma, comma, comma. All right, let let this episode because we're going to segue into the uh, in your travels. You're much more attractive than boy George, uh, especially now. This episode, and that's not saying much. This episode of Eleven O'clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Flat out, the best place to procure your favorite funny books and collectibles. If it's in the previews, you are going to get it from DCB service and get it for less than that printed price in the previews that and much less. That's awesome. Enki Bailao, the Nicopol trilogy from Titan books, $19 and 24 cents. Ted McKeever's pencil head, uh, $1.99 for the first issue. And Josh Cotter's not away coming out of Fanagraphics is a paltry $16 and 24 cents in your travels. The newest volume in the chilling archives of the horror comics from IDW and Craig Yo is out. And this one is called The Ghosts and Girls of Fiction House. Dun, dun, dun. Spot varnish, hardcover, Nazis. Uh, fiction House was a publisher that was known for one thing and one thing only. And it is very stacked females. Very strong, very resourceful, very curvaceous. Uh, uh, Frederick Wortham used some of their books in his crusade against the art form, the asshole. Uh, in this volume, you will learn about jumbo comics and ghost comics. Al Feldstein's in here. You will see a magnificent string of ghost comics covers, uh, illustrated by Maurice Whitman. Who, uh, if you didn't know any better, you would think he was the papa of uh, Michael Kaluta because his work is very similar to Michael Kaluta. But these were done in the 50s. So Kaluta was probably just a little itsy bitsy baby when these were coming out. Um, it's amazing, amazing stuff. The, the females are absolutely gorgeous. Um, Whitman can draw a woman. Whew, my goodness. Uh, the bulk of the work in this book was done by Bob Hebbard, Alex Blum, and the dudes at the Iger Shop. You know them, right? Them, them dudes. Yes, the Iger Shop. Uh, it's, it's fairly, um, typical stuff. Uh, you have this, this paranormal investigator in a lot of these stories. His name is, uh, Drew Murdoch, and there's always a female that experiences something out of the ordinary. Drew Murdoch steps in and figures it out, more or less. Um, and you see lots and lots and lots of boobies. But they're, remember, this is the golden age. They're not, there's no nudity. But um, these books left very little to um, 
the imagination of prepubescent boys. Like, this is what a female should look like. And they have wasp waists and big old pendulous boobies. I love this book. Love it. And it's printed in the, 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 uh, typical Craig Yo fashion. You got spot varnish inside and out and the toned paper, thick stock. It's just amazing. This was $29.99 for about 200 pages. These are worth your interest. Don't blank on this stuff. You get a whole boatload of, you know, fun, interesting, off the cuff, different comics they don't tell stories like this these days i mean it it's it's all about the superheroes but these these are these are of a of a different time and they're i think they're they're it we're better for it that craig yo is putting these out so go get it and you can hear the cover listen that's oh, not man. a door that's the damn cover, a cover. it's hard baby the goodness just like go that. get it and I got mine from DCBS, so I did not pay twenty nine ninety nine. I think I paid seventeen bucks tops. So get it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Oh well, first the um, you mentioned Esteban before, uh, and I um, he's great. I read uh, the Goddamned number one, and that artwork by nope. R M Guerra looked. Reminded me very much. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just because I, I, I had the first trade of scalped and I was not expecting the art to look the way it did in the goddamn. Then it was, there was, uh, some Windsor Smith, some John Buscema, some Esteban in the, uh, in, in that mix there. It was, it, it, it was nice to see, but yeah. Dude, that is high freaking praise. Are you serious? I, there were hints of it. I'm, I'm watch. I'm, I'm, and no, I'll take your word. The, I'm going to get the, it. Uh, it, it, but everything that Jason said about the issue last week, it's, it was, it's not, it's, I'm going to say it's pretty because of the art, but it's, it's not, it's, it's a, it, it's a grimy, dirty Good. book. Yeah. It's, it's oh, not, yes. uh, it, it is not, it's not, it's not sunshine and rainbows and, and, and lush fields of gold. It is, it's, it's a nasty, nasty book. I, I, I love it when somebody comes out of the gate and just smacks that smile off people's faces. I love oh, that. This is all about that. Uh, the, um, before I forget, cause I, I, they, the, I kept just our, our heroine in uh, in Slash and Burn. Her name is uh, Roisin Hayes, and I, I couldn't for the life of me I could not remember uh, the first name, and that that's been bugging me since I talked about it. But in your travels, uh, I was I'm, I'm glad we were pretty much all positive, even even Vince when uh, with the books we were talking about tonight. However, I was positive. I just didn't comment. Uh, yeah, well, silence. Uh-huh. Volume. So the, uh, I was not, uh, there was one, there was one <laughs> book that came out today, actually. It's my in your travels and, and I want everybody to read that, but, uh, I, just a couple of quick pits. Um, ultimates and Illuminati first issues for both post secret wars. I'm not sure how I feel about either right now. Ultimates is, is written by Al Ewing and, and, and uh, art by Kenneth Roquefort. And it's, it's a team that I 
would probably enjoy. I'm just, I'm not really feeling the setting. And, and I, I guess I am one of the few people who is not bowled over by Kenneth Rookfort art. It, it's, it's neat, but it's not, that's not going to get me to plunk down money to, to buy an issue. But, uh, it, it's got some characters that I, you know, it's, it's, it's got Monica Rambeau. It's got, uh, it, there, there are characters in the book that, you know, I'd, I'd like to read more about. So I might give it another couple of issues. Uh, Illuminati number one, I, it, that I'm checking out because it's art by Sean Crystal. It's written by Joshua Williamson. Uh, but you're, and what was cool is that you're shown, uh, Titania after she leaves prison and she needs to find work. She, you know, she goes, she goes to visit Crusher in prison and, uh, you know, because she's waiting for her man to come out, but she's having a bitch of a time finding work and even She-Hulk is, is going to hook her up. Um, but there's just shit happening along the way. She's not really having, uh, the best time trying to make the, the best of it. Being a next con and all and, and even Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist, uh, jump to conclusions. But you're the, the, the guy pulling the strings and putting everything in motion and basically the leader of, of the group is the hood, who is one of my least favorite. Stop it. It's, I am not a fan of the hood. I am not a fan of the hood at all. I, I think I will read a book about the hood. Dude, I'll read a book by the, the featuring the hood. But, and what kills me is that like Kyle Otz is like drew his first appearance. Why would I not be in love with the fucking hood? Seriously. But I just, I think it's the dude wearing the hood is what just irks oh. me. It, I just, it, that's, he's, he's, He's Eric O'Grady and Kyle Rayner. I just, why is this dude, why am I, I, I don't want to read a book about it featuring a dude I don't care about. So it's, it's, I, I thought the art was cool and, and I, it's, I, I, I like to take off on the name of the group, but so I will try it out for another couple issues. But I mean, it, it's already fighting an uphill battle with me because of the hood and, and his involvement in it. But, Two things that were really, that, that, that I was really sweet on. Uh, the first was Drax number one, written by Cullen Bunn and CM Punk, and yep. art by Scott Hepburn, uh, colors by Matt Melia. It was, um, there was some sweet art in Drax, and it's, it's, uh, I, agree. I liked it a lot. I did too. I was, I don't know what the hell to expect with Hepburn, but I thought I, it was extremely fitting, especially with the character of Drax. The rest of the guardians are there. Um, but basically it's, it's, it's a solo Drax book. And after they handle some business, they, uh, they all kind of go their separate ways. And, uh, Rocket even hooks Drax up with a ship. It's like, listen, go do what you got to do. You can even take my sweet ass ride, which ain't all that sweet ass. And, uh, but it was, it, it, it's really cool and I, I'm looking forward to, to, to where that's going. But in your travels, the, 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 the headliner, the showstopper, the thing that I really want people to read. Wow. Is the first issue of the new volume of the Mighty Thor written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dowderman, colors by Matt Wilson. The first two pages alone 
knocked me on my ass because I, I, I try to limit my use of this word for things that I actually, actually despise. And I fucking hate cancer. And this, this issue starts off with, well, you know, how come, how come Thor or the woman who is Thor, how come she's still, you know, how, how come she has cancer? And it's answered in like the first few pages. And, but Aaron tells you basically it, it's the story is told from Thor's point of view. And as the world knows who Thor is now, right? Yeah. Okay. So while Jane is sitting there having chemotherapy, she, she's explaining what happens with chemo. And it is one of the hardest things to get through. And if you're, if you're anybody who, who, if you've dealt with cancer, if, if you have people in your family who have dealt with it or still dealing with it, or, you know, it just, it, it makes a, a, a comic book character about gods. Just it really grounds it and really hammers that that home and and what what this this character deals with whenever she has to deal with chemo it it just it it's pretty fucking eye opening and uh and like I said and then it explains you know why you know her doctors are trying to figure out well why isn't the chemo working you're here every month and you're doing all this but uh we find out why things aren't working but uh the avengers show up because something happens in space with a uh, with a roxon satellite and uh there's there's some politics involved because uh there there are like basically posters plastered all around Asgardia with with the false thor's face and and uh we don't we don't see odin but basically odin is holed away hold up in 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 uh in his castle and uh just nobody nobody can mention thor nobody can say boo about thor or else the all-father will basically smite them and and um Freja is is locked in prison uh the last page was a pretty cool uh reveal or cliffhanger whatever you want to call it but um it it's yeah the first issue dropped today if you um if you enjoyed the previous volume of Thor with the new Thor. This is continuing that story. It's, um, and if you weren't and, and, you know, now is, is your chance to, to jump on. It's, it's a, uh, it, it might help if you have some knowledge of, of the, the, the previous Thor series, but I don't think you need it. You pretty much, you, you get caught up with the way, uh, the way everybody is telling their stories and, uh, you, you can pretty much hit the ground running with this issue, but definitely check out the Mighty Thor. Interesting. That a boy. That was a lengthy series of inner travels, by the way. It was. It was. I, I, I had my Jason Wood hat on. I was going to say. To, to, oh, snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not to be outdone. <laughs> ah, in your travels. Here's a dozen I best, get, I best get right. Yeah, let's, let's start typing. I got, I got three things to shout out. I'm going to be quick on the first one. Um, we've talked about a lot of the Battle World series, and look, we've had our fun with it, noting that we've got the 
all new, all different stuff coming out before some of the Battle World stuff and Secret Wars is over. But that said, um, I think we've talked about all of the X-Men related miniseries in some capacity, except for the Extinction Agenda. And I read that all this week. Um, and because, frankly, of the lack of quality on a relative basis of the X-Men related Battle World books versus some of the others, I didn't expect much of this and was pleasantly surprised as a result. Um, I definitely am a sucker and a mark for that that period of the X-Men comics, not suggesting it was one of the best periods ever, but, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, this is written by Mark Guggenheim with beautiful art by Mr. Carmine Di Giadomenico. And uh, for what this was, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's essentially a play on that part of the X-Men lore. We're back in Genosha, and a doctor has tricked the X-Men into bringing one of their healers to the uh, island under the auspice of curing a lot of people of a mutant plague, but in essence he instead uses the uh, mutant to bring back uh, Cameron Hodge from the dead. And then he infects Hodge with the transmode virus, and Hodge becomes, you know, essentially like Warlock, uh, evil, an evil Douglock type of a creature, and they have to fight against them. And uh, again, it's a simple contained book. I don't think it'll have any impact on what happens from here on out with the X characters post Secret Wars. But uh, I dug it. I dug it. It was a nice trip down memory lane, and, and I think the art was was quite a nice um, credenza on what I think was an otherwise somewhat underwhelming series of X books that related to Secret Wars. Um, in terms of the all new, all different, uh, one of the new titles that I was probably most worried about, uh, but also most anticipatory was all new Wolverine number one, Ah. written by Mr. Tom Taylor, pencils by Mr. David Lopez, uh, inks by, uh, Mr. I believe it's, is it Dave? Um, I should know this. Yeah. David Navarat. Uh, colors by Nathan Fairbairn. Um, Logan is Logan is still dead. <laughs> the all new Wolverine number one, um, which really isn't a surprise because it's been it's been teased for months, is uh, Miss Laura Kinney, aka X twenty three. She dons the uniform and officially takes up the mantle of Wolverine. And I loved everything about this book. Um, I think it's a perfect number one issue for what they're trying to do, which is. They don't spend a lot of time rehashing all the things that led up to Laura being who she is. They insert you into an action scene. It's a wonderfully executed and drawn and choreographed scene. And there's narration over the course of the first issue to kind of give you just what you need to know about who she is and her motivation without belaboring you with all of her past history. And it just makes the point that because of her ties to Logan, she decided that she had to stop running from her own identity and embrace his his legacy, but that she's going to be a much different person because she's not him. And uh, the biggest pleasant surprise for me of this of this book was David Lopez. Um, not to say that I was not a fan of his artwork, but he was never an artist that I clamored to see. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't bring me to a book simply because he was doing that book. Um. And I think he's just continued to evolve and maybe it has something to do with the inks from, from Navarat, but I think the book looked beautiful. Like I said, it was really well framed. I think the, 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 the way he, he, the storytelling of the cartooning in this book is phenomenal. Um, and I loved it, man. I just thought it was great. I love the costume. 
it's uh it's just it was it just I think they've done a nice job taking X23 from what she was coming out of NYX and for a while she was just this killing machine into being a legitimate character with a lot of complexity. Uh and I like the supporting cast. We've got young Angel who was who's been her boyfriend was her boyfriend before Secret Wars and so he's here. Uh this first issue takes place in Paris. There's a crazy cool uh battle on the Eiffel Tower. Uh, so yeah, big thumbs up to all new Wolverine number one. I, I've, I've high hopes for it now after, after this first issue. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, and I'm actually stunned that our man David didn't talk about this, this, this evening. In, by the time you're listening to this, about 24 hours from the time you're listening to this, you will have the ability to binge watch the entirety of Netflix and Marvel's Jessica Jones. Yes, indeed. Which comes out on Friday. Friday. And I hope I have the time this weekend to at least watch a few of the episodes. But we've talked about this. This is probably not a surprise to you if you're listening to this. But I was an enormous fan of Alias. Um, really the first thing that made Bendis a thing for me. And love the casting of what we've seen of this. Uh, totally love the Purple Man as a villain. I am not a Doctor Who fan, but... The rest of you who are Doctor Who fans have me convinced that David Tennant has got to be great in this role because you all love David Tennant. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt there. Um, and I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked to get some more Marvel miniseries because I mean Daredevil was such a grand slam. If this is half of that, it's still going to be one of the best shows of the year. So I can't wait. I cannot wait for Jessica Jones. Nice. I can see you guys are as excited as I am. Oh come on. Dude, we're going to have Luke Cage will make his Marvel Cinematic debut in this series. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, you do want me to watch this, right? See, Dude. why you got to go, go there? Plus, Kristen Ritter's a cutie. Oh, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss is in this, this joint. Yeah, she is. Mm. Got Trinity up in there. It's awesome. Jesse's dead girlfriend. It's going to be great. Yep. And there's supposed to be lots of cameos that they're keeping surprises. Cool. So, maybe Spider Man will be in it. Unlikely. Maybe that would make it awesome. And you're awesome for uh, sitting here with us for these uh, two plus hours. And we hope you will come back next week when we do it all again. Same uh, same time, same channel. Um, join us if you would be so kind. Drop us an iTunes review or wherever you uh, pick up on this stuff. Leave us a review because we really appreciate it. And um, in your uh, in the interim, um, as usual, say good night, David. Good night, David. Ah, too long. Definitely too long. Yeah, oh, you're high. Didn't he? You're I'm high. serious. Yeah, I'm <laughs> no. I don't think so. uh, well, you know what? Tell us about it on the Facebooks or the Twitters or the the forum, which is still in operation. Uh, yeah, just come back because we love you so much. Come on back. Bye. Lean back. What's that about? Hmm? What is that about? I don't know what you're saying. Oh my god, really, dude? No. Dude. You got David all slee stack on it because I don't understand. It's Fat Joe, dude, and Remy Ma. Oh. Lean back. You're, what the the hell language are you speaking? Ninema, but I'm in the morning, Ninema, la la. Okay. Adorable.
Bye. It's, it's Fat Joe's uh, biggest biggest mainstream hit. Okay. Fat Joe. I think you lost, you lost Vince after Fat. <laughs> yeah, because I'm there for Fat. You know, Every Joe, oh, shit. I don't know who you're talking about. You, know, I, you said, I know Fat Boys. I didn't, I didn't want to... I didn't want to go come too far down on too much shit, but I I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read. Wait, should I not be recording? Yeah, no, this? No, no. All right, say bye. We just. Bye. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, y'all in the mood for a little bit of a sing along kind of thing? You know, there's a whole lot of people that are sitting around in their offices listening to this right now. A whole lot of people stuck out on the freeway somewhere, and you people are right here at the beach, y'all doing all right. Ah, oh, you poor some bitches that working in the car. This is to you people. Y'all gonna sing along with me on this thing? Alright, here we go. Well, I got a little change in my pocket, scoring jingling. Hey, well, I'll call you up on the telephone, baby. It wants to give you a ring, but each time we talk, I get the same old thing. Yeah, we don't care, we're gonna stay here and do a little bit more rocking. Is that alright? <laughs>